Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone out this morning. I'd especially like to thank Nancy and the leadership here for inviting me to be here today. You know, we do have a long-lasting relationship with many of you in this congregation there. Uh, between y'all and the product, love our relationships, love the people here. Always a pleasure to be here. Seeing Brother Mike there and our long history with our families. I told this story not too long ago. This is a good one, so I'll have to tell it again. Uh, Jerry McCorkle, we were, we were working on Revelations this past uh, series on Wednesday nights, and somehow I got charged with trying to explain all the, the symbols and stuff in there. So I called Jerry. I said, man, Jerry, I said, I'm not getting it, brother. I'm looking at your notes, and I don't understand how you're connecting A to point D here. I, I don't get it. He says, well, Sean, it'd just be a lot easier if you'd just memorize it, don't you see? <laughs> I said, Jerry, I'm speaking next week. I'd like to have a hint, if you don't mind. So he helped me out with that. So uh, Jerry's a long-time friend also, many generations back. You know, there at La Prada every year, we do a little weekend getaway with our young people. This year, uh, we talked about doctrine. Um, and I want you to know that our young people are under attack right now in every aspect of their lives. The false information, the false doctrines, the false prophets our, our kids are hearing and being subjected to is overwhelming. And brethren, as a parent, you should be aware that this is going on. Now, I know we always talk about what's going on in school, and yes, it's in school, but it's not just in school. It's in TV shows, it's in music, you name it. We as a society have chosen to change the Word of God. We have chosen to change God. We read His Word, we don't like what it says, so we just change it. Not too long ago, we were studying uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and we talked of the, uh, the sin of sexual immorality, specifically homosexuality, Parents, do you know the arguments that your children hear? I hope you know those arguments. I hope the leaders here at this congregation know the arguments. One of the arguments is, well, I know what the Old Testament says, but Jesus never specifically condemned homosexuality. He didn't use the word, so it must be okay. But it does not matter the subject, whether you're talking about a specific sin that the world is trying to justify, or whether you're talking about disobeying God in regards to doctrine, it seems there's always one catch-all argument or catch-all phrase that is made. If God is a loving God, he wouldn't fill in the blank. If God is truly a loving God, he would not condemn someone to hell. Therefore, everyone is saved. God is a God of the modern world. Brother, I don't even know what that means. He would understand the need for this particular behavior or sinful lifestyle. God loves everyone. Therefore, he loves the homosexual and the transgenders and therefore accepts them and their behavior because he loves them so they will be saved. I understand he didn't say to worship this way, but he didn't say that we couldn't. I heard a girl the other day make this statement, I serve a God who loves and does not judge me. Whether we talk and we can preach on every sin known to man, we can talk of ideology taught in school, learned on the internet, on TV, on the radio, but you know what the reality is? The reality is when you hear some of the things we've mentioned, such as my God would never, the reality is very simple. They don't know their God. I serve a God who does not judge. No, you do not. If you're serving a God that does not judge, then you're serving a false God. 
My God would never. Better double check that. You better get to know your God a little bit before you make a statement like that. I can't believe a loving God would ever do such and such. Folks, you may not believe it. Due to lack of not knowing God, you may not believe it, but it doesn't make it less true. A popular term used a lot these days is this false narrative. Brother, religion and faith in general in society has a false narrative. And it's all due to not knowing God. Do you know God this morning? Do you understand the importance of knowing God? Do you understand the more I know my God, the more I will understand His desires and His will for me? The more I know God, the closer I am to Him. The more I know God, the more I can begin to understand His will for me. Not that can, we can ever fully understand everything. I'm not saying that. Do you understand how harmful and sinful it is to attempt to make God into something that He is not? Again, we as a society, we are trying to change God instead of changing ourselves and our behavior. Again, we're trying to change God instead of ourselves. Jesus didn't specifically say the word transgender. Jesus would accept them for who they are. They are changing our Lord and Savior instead of changing and repenting of their behavior. You can't change God. You can't change the I Am. And you can't change our Lord and Savior. Malachi 3 and 6, For I am the Lord, I choose not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. James 1 and 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Then we have to stop trying to change our God and just get to know Him. Because, brethren, the reality is there is only one God, there is only one Creator, there is only one I Am, there is only one Alpha and Omega. There is only one Jesus. There is only one Savior. There is only one that died on the cross and rose again for your sins. And brethren, that is the unchanging truth. 1 Timothy 2 and 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Isaiah 44 and 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 45 and 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited, and I am the Lord, and there is none else. Mark 12 and 29, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I'm going to shotgun some verses here. Deuteronomy 4 and 35 and verse 39, 2 Samuel 7 and 22, 1 Kings 8 and 60, 2 Kings 5 and 15 and 19 and 15, 1 Chronicles 17 and 20, Nehemiah 9 and 6, and I can go on and on, but there is only one God. And it doesn't matter what others say or what they believe or what they try to teach us. This is the truth. And He is the God that we worship and that we serve today. I know everybody studied Second Peter. What is that? Add to your faith virtue and virtue what? Knowledge. 
to knowledge, temperance, and so on. So in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. We need to know our God. We need to know our Savior. Jeremiah 9 and 23, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in riches, but let him that groweth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Do you know your God this morning? We always talk of, uh, of goals and aspirations that we have for the following year. Maybe one of our goals should be that we get to know our God. But again, if we don't know God, it would be impossible to obey Him. It would be impossible to serve Him. John 17 and 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Brother, your salvation... Your salvation is based on knowing your God and His will for you in obedience to Him. Having this personal relationship with Him and understand the need to know Him. The word know here is an ongoing and growing knowledge and obedience to God that starts now. You don't wait until you're face to face with Him to form this relationship with Him. And I'll tell you what's sad. When we as people make our faith and our relationship with Him, just a habit or something that we're you know, expected to do. Maybe that's what mom and dad expects us to do. Brothers, sisters. And brethren, I want you to think about this for a moment because I believe if you think back in your life, I know this applies to me, if you think back in your life, there have been times that you were just going through the motions. You're just here along for the ride. That may be you right now. Are you here this morning going through the motions or are you really trying to get to know your God? Are you anxious, sad, depressed, overwhelmed? Are you lacking peace? What did we just read in Peter? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. How many of you have ever wondered or doubted your salvation? Be honest with yourself. You ever doubted that? How many of you have stood in front of the mirror and just thought, no way. I'm just too bad. Brothers and sisters, you don't know your Jesus. You're not knowing the awesome power of his blood that cleansed you. My dad once had a client that used to say, we have just enough religion to make ourselves miserable. And brethren, sometimes I think that's, that's us right now. We have just enough, enough knowledge of God to make ourselves miserable. We don't really know Him. And we don't have that relationship with Him. Our God is not our God. He has become an acquaintance. He's a neighbor down the street that we see every once in a while. We talk to him every couple of weeks. That's about it. You know, I have friends that I went to high school with. Louis still stays in contact with them uh, through Facebook, but really I see them at the high school reunions is, is really all we ever see them at. And when I see them, we, we have a good time. I give them hugs, but, you know, I'll be honest with you, the need and the desire to see them and be with them and communicate with them and talk to them every day just is not there for whatever reason. And all of us have those friends or acquaintances. Unfortunately, some of us have watered down that relationship with our God also. And I'll tell you something else we do. We pick and choose really where we're going to have this relationship with our God. 
Let me give you an example. Oh, Sean, I'm good Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but that relationship with my Heavenly Father kind of misses out there or home 60 some odd hours of the week. Or we have the only when I need Him relationship. Well, let me tell you, my prayer life really gets good when I need that new job. When I'm struggling with my finances, me and God get pretty close. <laughs> when a loved one is sick, that's when I turn to Him. And brethren, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. We absolutely should turn to Him during those times. He instructs us to turn to Him during those times. You need Him, but oftentimes we make Him a God of convenience. That shouldn't be the only time. Again, what if you had a loved one that the only time you heard from them was when you needed something? The only time that they would spend time with you or get to know you was when they needed or wanted something. The relationship with your Heavenly Father, the relationship with your Savior is not a part-time gig. Your God wants all of you all the time. And then, quite frankly, we should desire to have that relationship every second of our lives. You know, as my wife was going through uh, chemo treatments for cancer, I know she was on y'all's prayer list, and I really appreciate that. I know um, I had somebody ask me one time, you ever get tired of hearing people say, oh, we'll, we'll say a prayer for you? I said, absolutely not. Because I know the people in my life, when they say it, they mean it. I know when Brother Nancy called me and said, we're praying, I knew y'all were, and I appreciate that. When my kids called me and, you know, something's happened at work, they did CPR on somebody and they're proud of that. They got the promotion. Brother, I need my God there too. I need to share that with him. I know he knows, but he needs to know I recognize him as the giver of that. Man, I'll be honest with you this morning. I didn't. When Nancy calls or texts and says, hey, I need to get you on a speaker list, I'm just, I'm so thrilled about it, I just, I just say yes. And I didn't look at the calendar for today. Uh, I woke up this morning struggling. I really did. I needed my God there with me today. Two years ago to the date, I got a phone call from a guy that was still on our SWAT team. I'm retired. He says, man, it's bad. You need to get to the hospital. I said, who is it? He said, it's Richard. He's been hit twice. Um, he left behind a, a wife and two kids. His two-year anniversary was this morning. Um, keep them in your prayers, if you would. But brother, again, so often we push him out of our lives when we should be inviting him in. And please notice I said push him out and we never have to pull him back in. You will never have to pull your God back in. He is longing and desiring to be in your life. There have been times where I have turned my back on my God, but brother, make no mistake, my God has never turned his back on me. Have that relationship where you know your God. Knowing your God is growing in your faith. You're moving from that milk to meat. And I'm sure we've heard hundreds of lessons on this. Hebrews 5 and 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. Which be the first principles of the oracles of God and became, uh, become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full, of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Knowing your God is maturing in your faith. Knowing your God is desiring that relationship with and knowing his will for you. Knowing that God is faithfully loving and obeying Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. C.S. Lewis once stated this about the Psalms. There, in the Psalms, I find an experience fully God-centered. 
asking of God no gift from urgently than his presence, the gift of himself, joyous to the highest degree and unmistakably real. What I see, so to speak, in the faces of these old poets tell me more about the God who may and we adore. I want you to listen to David. I want you to hear his desire and longing to know God. If you'd like to follow along, it's in Psalm 63, starting in verse 1. Psalm 63, starting in verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as the marrow and the fatness of my mouth shall praise thee in joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul falleth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Now that's your relationship. When you desire nothing more than his presence, urgently at all times, let's make that our goal. So I guess the obvious question is, how do we do this? How do we start to build this relationship with our God? How do we get to know him? God told Israel in Jeremiah 29 and 13, You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. But we've got to seek him. We have to make the effort. This is not something that just happens with no effort or by accident. What does it say? With all of your heart. You've got to put your whole heart in it. You've got to be all in. You have to be deliberate to know God is to love God. And we've studied love many occasions. We all know that love is a choice. And we have to choose God. But that is what our faith is all about. A choice to follow Him. A choice to love and keep His commandments. A choice, a deliberate decision on our parts to know our God. We've got to be all in. In order to be all in, if I'm going to start this journey... In order to start a more mature relationship with my God, and in order to know Him, my first thought would be to pray about that. To let my desires be made known to Him. To let Him know with all my heart, Lord, I am seeking You. God, I want this relationship with You, but to be real honest, I'm not sure I know how to get there. I want You in my life. I no longer want to be a part-time Christian. I don't want a part-time relationship with You. I am yours, and you are mine. I desire your presence more than anything. Maybe you turn to David for advice. Lord, I need my whole heart in this, and I'm searching for you. Psalms 139 and 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see that there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, give me the desire that I struggle with at times. To seek you. Give me the ability to search for you and understand you. I think so often, I think so often we, we, we go to God in prayer and we, we get so formal and, and I'm not saying not to be respectful. But this is your Father. 
A father that wants this relationship with you. He wants you to know Him. Brethren, ask for help. Sisters, ask for help. Lord, I don't know how. Help me get to know you. For some reason, I think of Solomon asking for wisdom. Because you ask for wisdom, you didn't ask for any other thing. You didn't ask for riches or health or anything like that. You ask for understanding and understanding heart so that you could better serve. And that's what you receive. Lord, give me the desire and the heart and the longing to know you so I can better serve you, better obey you, so I can love you more in my next breath than my last. God's desire, His will, is to have this tight relationship. If your heart is true and it is your desire, brother, your God will deliver that. As you know, um, Lily was uh, diagnosed with cancer this past year. Uh, she is in, not remission, they don't call it remission now, it's, they call it free of cancer. Uh, she's doing good. Uh, and the only reason I'm sharing this story is because she's not here, so she can't stop me. Um, she's out of town with my daughter. She does not like me uh, talking about this too much. But the day that she was diagnosed, we went to the parking lot, and, you know, I, I broke down almost immediately. Um, and we started saying our prayer, and, um, you know, I immediately went into healing, which absolutely what we, what we were asking for, uh, nothing wrong with that. Lily's first prayer, prayer sitting in that car, was say, she goes, Lord, if this is your will for me, I accept that, but I pray that you're going to use this for your glory somehow. Nancy, I wasn't quite ready to make my wife a martyr, you know, but we prayed that prayer repeatedly and I will tell you there was a peace in our journey like no other Lori mentioned and I believe through that single prayer really meaning it every day we grew closer to our God and we had a stronger relationship because of it we were gaining knowledge of our God God loves to be loved this is his desire have you ever really thought about that God, the creator of all things, the I am, the one who knows everything about you because he designed you, the God that can literally have or do anything, his desire is that you love him. How humbling is that? You have something the Almighty desires. Prayer is one of the most powerful tools we have and we neglect that. Brother, when you're trying to build a relationship with your Heavenly Father, this has to be the priority. I speak from experience knowing that my relationship wasn't always where it needed to be. Oftentimes, we as, as speakers stand up here and we say, folks, you need to pray more, and we give no guidance. I want to encourage you to try something. Try to pray three times a day. This is not something I'm making up. Psalms 55 and 16, David prayed three times a day. Daniel 6 and 10, uh, Daniel prayed three times a day. Just start there. Young people, make that a habit right now. It will literally change your life. Don't pray just because that's what you're supposed to do. Strive and be deliberate to gain that relationship. Pray and have a conversation with your God because you are intentionally trying to build that relationship with Him. Go into it with that mindset. I want to know you, Lord. Brother, this is tried and true. You may find yourself struggling on what to pray for. I've done that myself. I would like to make another suggestion for you. Inspiration, if you will. 
Start your morning, before you say your first prayer, start your morning with a reading in Psalms. I believe that has always helped me in my heart get right for my prayer and through the day. But again, we're trying to know God, so remember to pray for that desire and for His guidance. Matthew 7 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Ask, seek, and knock. The only way to truly know someone is to learn things about them. What makes them tick, as they say? If I'm going to try to get to know an individual, I may want to ask certain questions. Hey, what church do you go to? Are you married? Do you have kids? What do you do for a living? What are some of your hobbies? Getting to know someone shows affection. Did you know simply remembering a person's name after they meet you is a game changer? We can do the same thing when learning about and getting to know our God. And brethren, again, we don't have time this morning to cover every single characteristic or attribute uh, of God this morning, but I would encourage you during your studies to take the time to do that at some point. And as you do that, and I hope this makes sense, as you do that more and more, as you study other things, you will naturally see God's traits, if you will, within your studies. Just as an example, if you remember our reading in Jeremiah 9 and 24, but let him that glorieth, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Right there, you have three attributes or characteristics of God that you can study on. Loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Do a word study on those. I found a list, and I don't know how accurate this is, Michael probably correct me afterwards, but 950 some odd names or titles for God. That would be an excellent way to get to know your God. Names in the Bible have significant meaning. Brother, have you ever studied the importance of God stating his name and what that meant? God appears to Moses in the burning bush and tells him uh, to go lead the people out of bondage. And Moses asks him, well, what if they ask me what your name is? God says, you tell them I am that I am. You tell them that I am sent you. I encourage you to study that. Just that one statement, just that name has so much meaning. He stated, I am God. I am eternal. I am everlasting. I am Alpha and Omega. I am ever-present. I am all-knowing. I am all-powerful. I am unchanging. There is no other I am. I am that I am. A true study of this name alone should bring a Christian to their knees and all. If you know your God. If you hear that declaration and it has no effect on you, you might need to get to know your God. Abba, Creator. Have you ever studied the Creator? Psalms 18 and 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Wow. In one verse, you can get to know your God. Your God is your refuge, your shield, your stronghold. Your God is a strength and stability, even and especially when you're not. He is your ally. Well, when he is your deliverer, what does that mean? How is your God your deliverer? 
But if you know your God, that would mean the world to you. Should bring you to your knees. I encourage you to do this, kind of a secondary or in conjunction with your studying, I guess, and I've done this, and it is very enlightening. Study with fellow Christians. Maybe somebody that's been in faith a little longer than you. Maybe I go to Yancey, and I go to Yancey, and I say, Yancey, tell me what God, your deliverer, means to you. Can you explain that to me? I'm trying to know God, but the God that we both serve and love well, first of all, I will tell you, I know the answer, like I said, a long time, and I don't know how long we would make it through that conversation before it got a little emotional. You'd see the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, Blessed be God, blessed be God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be also be, uh, be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comfort of God. But it is in our congregation, I know this congregation, here in our family in general, we've had a number of people that have dealt with loss, dealt with heartache, dealt with disease in themselves or in their spouse or in their child. I assure you, you go study with them. Ask one of them what the God of comfort means to them. When you see the emotion, the awe, when they talk about a father talking about a, a praying for their child at his bedside in the hospital, but then they know their God. That's the type of insight that you can receive from fellow Christians. Being here in the assembly, being around fellow Christians and worshiping our God is vital for knowing God. Part of knowing God is loving and obeying God. You know, I always struggle to understand when you're studying with someone and the question arises, would I really have to attend all the, the church service? Do I have to go every Sunday morning? You know what they're really asking? I don't mean to be rude. Do I have to worship God? Do I have to go show my love for Him? Do I have to fellowship with the saints and show my love to them? But if you hear that question, that question, it is not a logistics problem. And I don't think you're dealing with a doctrine problem. You're dealing with a heart problem. Brother, are we the ones with the heart problem this morning? Are we failing to put our hearts into seeking and knowing our God? Brother, as Christians, we must grow in our faith and we must move from milk to meat. It's been said if you're not growing, you're dying. We must build our relationship with our Heavenly Father, not just because that is His desire, but that should be our greatest desire. Like David, our greatest desire should be to be in the presence of our God at all times, and that comes through knowing Him. Because, brothers and sisters, here's the reality, and here's the truth, the unchanging truth. You can go on about your life and choose not to have God in it. You can choose not to have this tight relationship with Him and know Him. You can choose not to be like David and long for His presence. But there will be a day. Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall, ever, uh, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name hath cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. 
depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, I've always read this passage, these verses, and I, I pictured God, I pictured uh, Jesus sitting there on the, uh, the judgment seat in, in all their majesty, looking at this particular individual in judgment and with you know, full authority, boldly proclaiming, I never knew you, depart from me. You that work iniquity. I mean, in absolute disgust. I pictured this scene, anger coming down on them. Hellfire judgment. But I don't know if that's the case. I picture something a little different now. I believe our Lord and Savior could be sitting there hurting, his heart hurting, as he looks at a lost soul that he died for and that he gave all for, a person that he longed to have a relationship with, and he looks at that person and has to say, I never knew you. You chose not to know me. There will never be more painful words than that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing before your God and hearing those words? Just hearing them right now kind of makes you sick at your stomach. Tears you in half. Brings tears to your eyes just thinking about it. To be rejected basically by your God. I cannot imagine the heartbreak. Not to mention the consequences. You've been rejected in a relationship. Has someone done you wrong, turned their back on you despite your greatest efforts to show them friendship or even love? We've all had heartache, heartbreak in relationships at one time or another. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to imagine with your God, the ultimate example of love, what He feels on a daily basis when His people refuse to get to know Him when we refuse to have a relationship with Him and we reject Him. God's love is a perfect love. The God who gave His Son for you, the God that even though He created this massive universe and every person that's ever walked here and every person that ever will, created you, still knows the number of hairs on your head. The God that thinks of you every single moment of every single day Yet we reject Him because we refuse to get to know Him. Brother, I pray this morning that every one of us is striving to have this relationship with our God, striving to get to know Him, and being deliberate about it, striving to love Him. If you believe going through the motions in the next coming year is going to work, you're wrong. Despite what some people think, God does not want a robot, nor does He want a slave. Your Father wants His child. He wants you, and He wants a relationship with you. Do you know your God this morning? If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, if you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, you need to do so this morning. You need to enter into God's kingdom and enter into this beautiful relationship that we've talked about this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you realize, you know, not only do I not know God like I should, quite honestly, I acknowledge I don't give it my all. And I'm failing as His child. But I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. There is not a person here who has not found themselves in the same spot. And this family here is here to support you and to help you and to love you and to pray for you. If you would like to be baptized or you would like to pray in the church, we ask you please come forward as we stand and sing.